Okay, so, um, as you know, Ian took us through the first verses of chapter 5 of the book of Romans last week, and he took us up to verse 12. So the passage we're looking at this week is Romans 5, and verse 12 through to 21, through to the end of the chapter. And in my Bible, the heading for this passage is Death Through Adam, Life Through Christ. So we're going to... um, to look at that comparison, really. It's a direct comparison of the sin of Adam and the condition that, that Adam brought us into as human beings. And in contrast to that, the sacrifice of Christ and the justification that that brought us. Um, and comparing the two, the two lives, death through Adam, life through Christ. So we'll, <coughs> we'll begin by just reading the passage. So I'm reading from the NIV. So... Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account, where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's the, the passage that we're looking at. And as I've said, it's a comparison between Adam, who brought sin to mankind and Christ who brought redemption to mankind. So we can break it down into, um, into three points really. Um, the first point we're looking at is death because of sin, because of Adam. So that's to say that sin came to all people through Adam and because of that death came to all people through sin. So that's the first point that we'll look at in this passage and then we, we consider this idea that Adam is a pattern of the one to come and you could say is a type of the one to come, a type of Jesus. And so that's another way in which we'll compare the two people. And then finally, considering the idea that the gift is greater than the trespass, because although we're making a comparison, we're not saying that the sacrifice of Jesus was just equal to the sin of Adam. It's greater than it. And we'll explore that a bit later on. So first of all, then, to consider the idea of of sin coming through Adam and death through sin. Um, we, we read in the first few verses um, that sin was in the world before the law was given. 
And if we think of the time of Adam, we realise that Adam lived before Moses lived, and the law came through Moses, as we know, as we read in the Old Testament. So you might ask, how, how can there be sin if there was no law? Doesn't the law define sin? Um, isn't, isn't there sin because of the law? Well, if we think about what sin is, we know that sin is going against God and disobeying God. Um, and we can read right in the first few chapters of the whole Bible, um, we read in Genesis chapter 2, that God commanded Adam not to eat of the fruit of the tree. <clears throat> As we know, it's one of the most, um, the most read passages, perhaps, of, of the Bible, is that, that beginning creation story. But we read in, in Genesis chapter 2 that God commands Adam not to eat of the tree of life, for he will surely die. So although there was no law, there was no written Ten Commandments or anything like that, and God hadn't revealed his, his law to the people yet, um, we read that God gave Adam a command. And we also read, tragically, that Adam disobeyed that command and he went against God. So whilst there was no law in the world at the time, there was still sin in the world. And God had told him the, the, the consequence of that sin, which was death. So, so we can say then that Adam sinned before the law. And um, the law did not create sin but it allowed it to be charged against someone. That's something that we read in our passage as well. Um, we read in verse 13 that it says, Sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. So it's not to say that there wasn't sin, but it's, it's that the law allowed people to recognise sin when the law later came in. Um, so as an aside to that, um, not to step on the toes of, of the person who's speaking on this in a few weeks, but if we look over to Romans 7, um, we can read that, it's, that Paul says there that sin was dead apart from the law. So what does that mean? If, if sin was in existence without the law, what does it mean to say that sin was dead apart from the law? Um, well, we read in Romans 7 that Paul has this idea that um, apart from the law, sin was dead. And what he means by that is rather than the law putting an end to sin when it came into the world. Um, Paul is saying that the law had the ironic effect of increasing our desire to sin. Um, you can think of it perhaps as um, if you see a big red button labelled do not push. Um, it's that same kind of concept I think that Paul is trying to get across. It's, we wouldn't have wanted to, to push the button if it wasn't labelled do not push. Um, so it's this idea that through the law people became aware of what sin was and that they became aware of all the different types of sin and all the um, attraction of sin if you like so um, just in case anyone was wondering of, of the meaning of Romans 7 where it says that apart from the law sin was dead I think we can say that um, as it says in that chapter the law afforded an opportunity for sin to take hold of people but it doesn't mean that sin wasn't in existence without the law, rather than, rather, um, sin took hold of, of, pe of people's desires when the law came in. So just an aside there, but something to, to consider. So we've addressed that idea that Adam sinned before the law, and the law um, didn't bring sin into existence, but rather it defined what sin was. Um, the next thing to consider is um, we inherited Adam's sinful nature. Um, as it says in the, the beginning verse of our passage, 
Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people, because all sinned. So how does that work then? How, how has sin come to all people through the actions of one man? Um, we often think that all of us are sinners, and that's true. We all choose to go against God in various ways, and we all have our own sins to be accountable for, for ourselves. And those sins in themselves um, deserve death, as we, as we know. But I think the, the meaning of this, this verse here, and of other verses in the Bible, points us to the fact that through Adam, we inherited a sin condition. Um, if we look at Psalm chapter 51, Psalm 51 rather, and verse 5, um, <clears throat> we read that the psalmist David says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So when we consider that, it must be something else other than the sins that we do in our life that mean we're sinful people. Um, as we've said, we, we do sin and we all have accountability for our sin. But the verses that we're reading go beyond that and they tell us that we've got a sinful condition and we're born into sin. And I think this is what Paul is saying in, in the passage, that because of the sin of Adam, that sin brought a sinful condition into humanity. And it meant that all were resulting, all, all would be um, paying the price for that sin which is death, as we know. So, just to say that, um, that point again, we inherited Adam's sinful nature because of the sin that Adam brought into the world. And because we're all descendants of Adam, we inherited that sinful nature. And so the result of that, as we've thought, is that one trespass led to condemnation for all the people. <clears throat> That's something that we read in verse 19 of our passage. Just as through the disobedience of the one man... Many were made sinners. So because of the condition we've inherited from Adam, and because of our own sin, of course, um, it led to condemnation and God's rightful judgment of, of our sin. We know that God is a perfect God and that any kind of sin goes against God. So his rightful judgment of us led to condemnation and death. So that's the, the opening point that Paul is making, this idea of death coming through Adam to all people. But then, thankfully for us, he contrasts Adam with the life of Christ. And he describes him in verse 14. Um, he describes Adam as a pattern of the one to come. And then the next verses are really just a comparison of the, the trespass, which is Adam's sin, and the gift, which is God's sacrifice for us, to save us from the penalty of that sin. <clears throat> so it's the idea of sin and death through one man and justification and righteousness through another man. And the one trespass resulted in condemnation, and one righteous act resulted in justification. Um, so there's a direct comparison there, as we'll see. But something that um, Ian touched on last week in his talk was that it's not just a case of the, the debt being wiped out so that we can avoid the punishment that's coming to us. It's more than that. It's more than just a simple justification. It's a, a reconciliation to God. So we'll explore that in these verses as well, the idea that the gift is greater than the trespass. Another thing that Ian commented on um, last week, um, Paul likes to use these how much more statements. We read it in, the, in last week's passage and also we read it in this week's passage as well. 
we read in verse 15 that Paul said, For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And then in verse 17, If by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? <clears throat> so I think the idea to grasp here is not that Jesus' sacrifice was a cancelling out of sin. Because it's easy for us to think of it like that, isn't it? Um, it's easy for us to think that there's a certain amount of sin in the world. And when Jesus died, he met the requirements of all that sin. And it's just a perfect cancelling out, a paying of a debt to the penny, you might say. But Paul is saying it's more than that. These how much more statements tell us that there's something more that Christ is doing that goes above the, the, the trespass of, of our sin. So the, that the gift is greater than the trespass. <clears throat> um, as Paul says in verse 16, the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. So perhaps a way of thinking of it is, if, imagine if there was only one sin that ever occurred in the history of mankind. Um, the passage says the judgment followed one sin. So that's, that one sin would still have been deserving of, of condemnation and death. So when we think about the gift of God and the sacrifice of Jesus, we see that it followed many, many sins. Um, the many sins that all the people throughout the ages had done. And it was enough for them all. And it goes beyond covering all of those sins. But it followed many trespasses and brought justification. So you might say there's an excess of justification. Imagine um, perhaps a, a torrent of water putting out a, a flame. Um, it's not just a simple cancelling out of two things. It's, it's one totally overpowering the other. And we know that um, the blood of Jesus totally washed away all, all sin. <clears throat> but it's not simply that, that the, the blood of Jesus dealt with the sin. Um, the footnote in my Bible says, God's grace is infinitely greater for good than is Adam's sin for evil. So if we, if we pursue that, we can think that it's not just that we're saved from the punishment that's, that's coming to us, but because of the gift of God, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we're called into a relationship with God and we're called to be sons and daughters of God. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11 says, Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And as we sang in our hymn, and it says in First um, John chapter 3 and verse 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So it's more than a simple paying of a price. It's more than simply a cancelling of debt. It's, it's being called into a relationship with the one that we had wronged, and called into a relationship with the only one who could forgive us of our sin, and the only one that, that is deserving of our praise, being called into a relationship with God the Father. So, it's not just we're cleared of a charge against a perfect God that deserved death. That's something amazing in itself, isn't it? Um, 
the sentence that hung, hung over us was death, an eternal death at that. And it's not just that it cost God himself to redeem us. He was the one who was sinned against, and yet it cost him to redeem us. Um, it's not just that it cost him, but it was the greatest cost that there could possibly be. God had to send his own son to die for us, to deal with the, the issue of sin, the problem of sin. And it's not just that it cost him the greatest cost there could possibly be, but he calls us to be his children. So, cleared of a charge against a perfect God, at a cost to God, the greatest cost there could possibly be. So that not only are we cleared of, of all charges, but we're called to be his children, which are called to have that relationship with God. <clears throat> so, as we've thought, it's an excess of righteousness and an excess of justification. So the, the sin brought into the world by Adam brought death and brought judgment and brought condemnation. But the gift of God not only brought salvation from all of that, but it brought this relationship with God and this, this um, calling into God's family that we can look forward to. And we know that if we've accepted that and if we've, if we've believed that um, Jesus' death and resurrection has covered us of all sin, then we can look forward to the day when, when we enjoy that relationship with God in its fullness. And we'll be called sons and daughters of God and we'll be um, considered God's children. So it's a, it's a great prospect for us to look forward to, isn't it? And it's sum, summarised in those last two verses of our passage. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So eternal life is ours if we put our trust in him. And we can thank God for the sacrifice of his son that brought it about for us. Shall we pray?